everybody, and welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. I'm here with three of my friends, three X-Men fans from around the world, for me anyway, Tyler, Harry, and Fariha, and we are here to talk about the X-Men comic books that were out on the 17th of February, 2021. Those comics were Cable, number 8, Marauders, number 18, and X-Men Legends, number 1. And the X-Men also made a few appearances throughout the Marvel Universe this week. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But before we talk about any of it, you need to know this is a full spoilers program. We're going to get into all of the current details of the X-Line and some X-History, especially as it relates to some of the things that have happened in the issues this week. So be warned that this is a full spoiler territory, even for the rest of the Marvel Universe. We're definitely going to be talking a little bit about King in Black towards the end. So do take note. So without any further ado, we are here for our opening questions. As always, these questions, we try to pull them from the books that we read, see if you know which plots we are referencing with each question. I'll start with Faria today, just to mix it up a little bit. How are you doing, Faria? I'm doing good. Okay, here's your question. Uh, Have you now, as an adult, ever learned anything about your family that you didn't know or didn't understand about them when you were a kid? Yeah, so I my dad comes from a fairly big family. Like there's like um, fourteen brothers and sister oh plus uh, plus uh, three step brothers and uh, sorry half brothers and sister. Um, so it's it's a pretty big family. Um, but the thing is, growing up, there was one uncle was never around, never accounted for, never talked about. No one ever said anything about that uncle. So it's like, you know, you do the counting and then it's like, oh yeah, it's like, you know, this, 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 and then this, this, this. Like, you know, (laughs) it was always omitted. Um, So as an adult, um, later we found out that, you know, he was apparently kicked out of the family. Like he was like, you know, no longer. And I suspect it's to do with his sexuality potentially and you know so it just it's never talked about and even now when we ask the question it was like uh we don't want to talk about and we i also found out that he passed away uh back in like i think somewhere in the 90s and so the thing is like if you kind of think about what was happening with all that you know it's a very possible that is potentially age related or you know a lot of that um it just not talked about but there are some hints in the family about it so that is like a family thing that as an adult we found out wow that's a big one Mm, it is it is a pretty big (laughs) one and i And I actually like, you know, one of the things I will say that if I actually had like a lot of money, I would go into the whole exploration journey of like trying to find it and then potentially make a documentary on all of that. I'm not creative enough. <laughs> I think we would all r- rapidly digest any Faria yes. documentary, Faria channel <laughs> documentaries that you could produce. I think you have a large audience. Sound off in the comments below. Uh, <laughs> Harry, my question Hello. for you is, um, do you have something in your life that has been the outcome of having extreme luck? Something that's happened to you totally by chance? 
Uh, yeah, I think occasionally I've gotten lucky. I mean, there have been times where I, in college, where I was uh, not prepared for an exam and walking in, a guy leaving the test was like, hey, do you want all the answers? Which is not morally right, but it did help when I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an economics guy. Or there was a time where I got into a really bad car crash and my car flipped and I just crawled out and I had nothing wrong with me. Just oh literally no goodness. marks on my Are body. Are you a mutant? <laughs> <laughs> are you do- are you domino honestly that was even the firemen were like we did not think you were okay man when we saw this car oh anyway, anyway. but the one that i think of is i uh after college went on a big european country trip with a couple friends where we uh, took trains from country to country to country so a mm-hmm. lot of times we would be going at like one o'clock in the morning and getting on a train. And uh, I remember getting woken up and having to jump to the next train. And as I'm sitting in my new train car, I realized that my cell phone is in the departing train that is now leaving in the other car. And I'm like, okay, so now I don't have a cell phone in this country so that I am not familiar with. So uh, basically I spent an entire day tracking that car and going backwards when my friends went the other way on my own like the solo journey from each train station and then finally in the middle of germany someone actually had found it and was hanging on to it and i was able to get it and i'll I'll never forget finding that random cell phone in the heart of a country i'd been in for two days and then i came back my friends were like we cannot believe this actually worked out for you so i thought that was pretty lucky Yeah. That's a movie plot. Did you fall in love? Like that, I, then know, that would be perfect. That would be I was perfect. Ex- I'm just sitting, staring out the window, just like, I'm going to find you one day. I know you're coming. <laughs> like that. <laughs> but also, but yeah, that's, like, that, that's an interesting combination of like luck and, and smarts, right? Because like yeah. you could have just been like, oh no, or, or pure luck would have been like, you got on a train like back across Germany and you're like, it's the same seat. <laughs> but was, you did some things in, yeah, yeah. in that situation to connect you. I applied some some work, but I just still like the fact that it wasn't just vanished by Astronomical like completely odds. different. Yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty crazy. Which is but, yeah. still luck. It's like a meteor so. falling out of the sky. Tyler, <laughs> uh, let me ask How you. am I supposed to follow up after that story? <laughs> I'm like, oh. oh. Sorry, man. We can just give you a free play to try to, to tell the most yeah. outrageous story that you have. I don't know. Yeah, yeah dude, I did it. The, we'll see. The question I was going to ask you was what is the, um, what is the biggest surprise that you or, or, or secret kept later revealed that you've ever participated in? Um, I mean, surprise wise, I am typically, um, uh, what do you call, like um, difficult to surprise. Because somehow I'll just figure it out <laughs> that a surprise is coming. So, um, so, so, so typically I'm involved in planning yeah. the surprise. You've got Instead a pretty good poker being, face, I yeah, think, so, for that kind of so, thing. So, so that's the, so for me, I mean, there was once where um, we, we, we wanted to celebrate a friend's birthday, but um, he is notoriously, um, uh, what do you call? Like he doesn't like birthdays to be mm-hmm. celebrated. Not because of anything bad. It's just like he just doesn't like people to remind him that he's he's um he's getting older and things like that. Closer to so, death. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean so typically we just ignore it. We don't do anything. And then that but that one particular year for some reason I decided that oh maybe I should just buy him a a, a bouquet of like um um. 
you know, you know, the edible arrangements thing. Oh, oh I love yeah. yeah. Like it seems yeah, so best. nerdy, but then you get them and you're like, this yeah. is actually great. So I, so I, so I ordered it online, sent it to him, um, in to his office because he's at work most of the time. And then, so he got a call from the security, said, hey, there's a bouquet for you. And he's like, what? No, I didn't order a bouquet. And it's like, <laughs> and, and someone's like, well, it is for you. And we cannot just leave it here at the security counter. And well, guess what? He was so upset that he didn't go down and get it. So that was a ruined <laughs> surprise. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so did the, did someone else eat it or like enjoy it? No, like, they, I think they took it back. <sighs> So well, it's just wasted the money. The yeah, but <laughs> the but, you story know. actually had a perfect payoff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's the reason I don't like doing. So I don't like surprises for me, and I don't like surprising other people because it's like mm-hmm. people want and need are not interested in things. Yeah. And I think when you try to do some grand surprising gesture for them, sometimes they're like, "What happens if they're in an all day training that day? What happens if they're deathly allergic to strawberries? Like you don't know. <laughs> uh, so why why are you trying to like shock and awe them? I'm just not. It's just not how I'm built. I don't really do I surprises. Know. Tyler was actually part of shocking and awing me though because he actually organized uh like you know to get my address from me and then another friend gabriel he sent me the classic x-men omnibus that's just over there and then it was like tyler uh kind of arranged for that so i was shocked and awed and then Tyler also said, like, oh, Kate has a package for you. I'm like, how did you know my door, door person's name? And, <laughs> <to> be, <laughs> and we're all basically trying to uh, match up to Tyler's uh, getting 3 a.m. booty calls from an old friend text uh, story. Yeah, I mean, Tyler, let's be fair. You don't have to win every episode because some of yeah. the best ones have been yours. Yeah. Goes, That's the your... Morse code granddaughter. He, there's been a lot of really good Tyler ones. Right. For cable number eight to begin, as we always do, we want to get everybody's lightning round of reactions, and then we will dig into the details of this book. So, Tyler, what is your lightning strike reaction to cable number eight? I mean, this creative team continues to delight in on, on this particular um, title. Uh, I enjoy the humor and the hilarity of the situations that young cable gets into, and then the really pretty Noto art and the colors are just mesmerizing. Um, I give it 3.75 gyozas out of 5. <laughs> Harry! All right, so uh, I did not love this issue as much as last, but that's kind of a last issue was like very high on my list of any books coming out in this this entire era but uh this was a lot of fun uh the art's really great as tyler said i mean i just it's got a nice breezy pace um this might be just user error but i did not understand exactly what was going on with some uh, clones later in the <laughs> issue which is uh you know that's that's what can happen when you have like characters that are drawn exactly the same so i kind of mm. was being told things rather than figuring it out myself, but that could that could totally be me. I don't even know if that's a total weakness of the book. Uh, so we'll we'll find out if it was just me. Uh, but yeah, I'd give it a, a happy happy three point seven five uh, weird eyes out of five. Fariha. Um, I really liked it. Uh, it was really like you know we're kind of still going on about like you know the the whole five babies missing, but in a different way than we would 
think like you know it's not just a straight and dry cut like you know you're find the babies and you're done kind of thing and then domino and cable was delightful together um and then it was also testament to dugan's writing that even though i don't know any history about any of this it didn't matter i still enjoyed it so for that 4.25 random meteorite out of five <laughs> you know i I was a little hard on this issue the first time I went through it because it's one of these things to, to get that breezy comedy of a domino featured issue like this that has this luck stuff and the thing with the bullets and the like it's got to be breezy and I think because the last issue felt so packed full of content part of me was like nah. but then when I went back through to make notes I was like this actually really does work the setups are all really good and you can afford to do a lighter weight funnier issue when you've been delivering at the caliber that the last issue delivered and you have such a great mystery that's getting built up. I mean, all this is on the back of that great reveal of that Strife was the baddie in the previous issue, and it probably wasn't ever going to be bigger than that, so why not do something funnier than that? So I actually ultimately was really satisfied with it, and I think Duggan wrote Domino actually extraordinarily well, having gone back through it. I think he just did a really, really good job, and, and perhaps we'll get into that a little bit. So I think the first thing we can probably talk about actually is Domino, probably, uh, because Domino's powers... They're a little amorphous. She's lucky, but lucky how? In the past, we've had some people describe it as almost a localized telekinetic field that just has things go her way. Some bullets hit, you know, others. Sometimes she can grab something in the last second. But here we see a much larger scope to Domino's powers that she winds up in the right place at the right time for a literal meteor to fall on the person that they are fighting, <laughs> which is such a hilarious punchline because of the way it's set up at the beginning of the issue, which mm -hmm. is just that, like, random things happen all the time, and it's those two meteors going together. Yeah. Like, it, it felt as though we were just wanting doing one of those, like, here we are at Space Scope, and we're zooming in, and we're zooming in, and now we're just with a character on Earth. But then it yeah. also is the punchline. But, I don't know, Tyler, is this how you understand Domino's powers to work? And, like, d did you get all of the Domino powers gags in this issue? Yeah, I mean, initially, I, when, I, when I turned the first page, I was like, oh, okay, this is a seemingly pointless filler type of situation. <laughs> I was like, it, wasting no <laughs> yeah. on rocks. I was like, what why, 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 why do we have a page of, like, meteorite crashing? It's, it doesn't make sense. And then the punchline happened, and I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. And um, <laughs> But I agree that um, Domino's power has never been very well defined. It has all, I mean... Um, like you, I thought, you know, her, her power was more like randomly positioning things so that it becomes lucky for her um, or, or moving things around, you know, somehow. And in this case, I don't know, is it like supposed to be temporal as well that, you know, something happens like a million years, millions of light years away. And then <laughs> and then it, it, it just happens that, you know, something um, occurred to, to help her resolve a particular um uh, a particularly difficult situation so um i mean i like it actually um and i mean i i, I like because um inherently the power is supposed to be um obscure mm -hmm. so i kind of like this obscurity so you know, it's the same with long shot i like the obscurity of it i don't like it to be like so defined because yeah. then it becomes like oh what about this situation? What happens? How did that happen? Or oh, what about that? How did that happen? Or it becomes so, very like, send Domino there. It'll be fine. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it, because it always turns out the way you want it to turn out. I don't know. Harry, do you have a lot of experience with Domino as a character? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, not compared to y'all, but like I, I enjoyed her in um, the new X Men Grant Morrison's book, and then Gail Simone wrote a killer uh, two miniseries about her, if I'm remembering right. Yeah. And I, I do think like this is the kind of character where her power is so amorphous and kind of hard to define, as Tyler said that like. I don't mind if a writer kind of puts their own tweak or spin on it because in this book, it's kind of just like Domino's power is interesting and useful things happen to her. <laughs> and like that, that's kind of useful when you're reading a story because you kind of don't have to like have like a lot of like plot functions, just like, Oh, well, this happened because Domino's here, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of fun in, in small doses. Um, I just thought it worked really well. I, I do. It's, it's kind of comparable to magic in a way where you can't really put rules on it because then it, it A, becomes less effective, and B, doesn't really make sense if you try to do that anyway. So it, it's it's one of those things where I just kind of just go with whatever the writer's doing because um, I think trying to, like, lock it down will make it go crazy. <laughs> and Priya, in addition to that discussion, I'm interested to know how you felt about this Duggan version of Domino versus X-Force Domino. You mean the X-Force by Percy? Yeah, because I feel like she yeah. came off a little bit differently here. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't feel... Well, she doesn't do much. Like, she was more serious in the X-Force one, in the sense, mm-hmm. like, you know, because mm-hmm. the all the things that happened to her, so she's kind of, like, you know, a little bit, like, like taking care... Um, so if I... I read Gail Simone's Domino Run, and in that one, she really doesn't... She's like, I'm a mutant, but I really want nothing to do with the mutant fight right but then mm-hmm. in Percy's she is in the mutant fight and as a matter of fact she's one of the four person like you know one of the top like front row person for it yeah and then she had gone through all of that but I feel like you know here it was more like she's just hanging out with her with her friend having gyoza <laughs> like you know friend. that's what she, <laughs> like you know that's that's what she's just wanting to have and i think i really mm. enjoyed like the power like how her power works and everything because now i want a domino and iska miniseries and just mm. like just luck <laughs> all around that book will break everything because yeah, like- it just <laughs> You will not understand how anything works anymore. So I think like I really I, I really liked the explanation of it because I don't think we ever got how her power works before because it was mostly just, oh, she's just lucky. Like, you know, well, lucky how? But now it just like, it's more like, you know, it just happens. <laughs> I don't think she does anything to, ma- no. to make no. it work. But That's no, definitely thing. not. Yeah. That 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 yeah, is the, just... the whole crust of the power, right? Because if it's a lack power, you shouldn't be actively doing anything. Right. She right. has no conscious control. She can hope that things are gonna go her way, but she doesn't mm. have any control over the result of it. And the way it's been it's been explained one of two ways, or sometimes both. One is that she exerts a minor, uncontrollable telekinetic effect that bends things to be go her way. And the other is that she sometimes will um get like a, a sense, almost like a spidey sense without realizing it to like kind of do like move the target that way because a mm. meteor is going to hit. But she doesn't really like consciously be like, oh, I'm stepping them over to where this meteor is going to strike them down. It's kind of just like she moves her body that way kind of unconsciously. That's generally how it's been defined. So I think I don't think there's anything objectionable about how it is here. I just always like to ask people when we see her power used in a range of ways, you know, one way that she takes out, you know, 11 cables with 10 bullets and another way that a meteor hits. These are like two really different versions of her power. But um, I, I also really... I want to talk about a little bit of what Freya said because Domino tends to be played as these almost two totally separate characters. Mm-hmm. There's like happy-go-lucky, funny Domino, 
And then there's like murder doll military domino. And every so often you get them crossed over a little bit. They definitely crossed over a little bit in Greg Pak's Weapon X, but it usually mm-hmm. very one or the other. And I thought that this was like a nice chance of, she wasn't full goofy. Like the Gail Simone run, which I like, I think was almost too goofy for me for Domino. Like I couldn't quite believe she was that silly, but this took it to a place where she was funny. I loved how she kept dunking on cable. I'm like, oh, I get <laughs> to say this to you now. Good, you know, get up soldier. <laughs> um, but at the same time, she was incredibly capable. And so that was kind of like I was like oh maybe I want Duggan to write Domino in the cast of this book mm-hmm. even more plus the like super weird her whole like I, I we are not flirting we are not having sexual tension <laughs> this is totally inappropriate uh, her interaction with Cable kind of deeply amused me I don't know anybody else have anything else they want to say about that no, I mean <laughs> Domino definitely slept with old Cable that oh, yeah, one, they were no together. question about it yeah, yeah. yeah. They were together, and he's like, "Oh, and she's like, for the most, for most of your, <laughs> for most of the time that I knew you, you were too old." Then I was like, "No, that wasn't the case." <laughs> Maybe <laughs> she's but he was still like too opinion. old. Like she's, yeah, <laughs> she's saying now, "You were always too old for me." And then now yeah. you're like too and young. And now you're <laughs> One of my favorite moments with her in this book was uh, when, like, she, they just go into the random food place and just happens to have the uh, the bad guy right there. And Cable, young Cable's just like, "Oh shit, we gotta go after this!" And she's like, "Yeah, I'll be right there." And she's finishing eating, <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, like in her world, she might not be that like as rushed because things kind of go Why her way." She? So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But, but the thing, her, she's but being told you she... need some food in your stomach for this book. That's right. <laughs> But she kept on eating until she mm-hmm. found saw all those. And that's when she <laughs> dropped them. Like there was like a, it's like a comedy of three. Like it's like first she's like, Yeah, we're gonna go eat. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just eating. And then it's like she's eating again. And <laughs> the third one's yeah. like, okay, fine, I'm gonna do something. So yeah, yeah. I think I really enjoyed uh, like, you know, Domino like in this whole thing because I think mm-hmm. that the whole silliness of Simone and then it it was good to see that she wasn't because, you know, X for some Re- very terrible things that happened to yeah. her and then now she's back in that thing again there was also this particular uh pacing where one of the pages where you see Kate after she sort of rejects cable cable say i can't believe it and you are being led to think that cable is responding to her and then you turn the next <laughs> page oh it's the is the other guy he saw the other guy it has nothing to do with this conversation at all so I thought that I thought the pacing was really really well done. Yeah, <laughs> and I and then, love great page the turn. art through that whole sequence too. Like I, we all know we love no- Phil Noto on this program, yeah. but I I just think he did such a nice job with the faces there, and I like that he's way under rendering, especially in the backgrounds. It makes the characters mm-hmm. pop more. Um, the backgrounds here, especially in the diner, it almost looks like it's just flatted. Flatted being the step of the colors yeah. where somebody kind of just blocks out the shapes and puts the general color on, and that was it. They didn't have any shading. They were colored in a really um, general ways so that the figures in the front can have shading. And you know what? It works. I don't need Noto to render everything on every panel. It's almost better this way. So I, that was my favorite part, the the panel right after where Tyler's talking about where he says, that's the guy, that guy's the baby napper <laughs> with all the pink in the background and he's kind of popped off in the foreground. That's yeah. probably my favorite panel in the whole book. What I love and, is, um, uh, Tower, as you said, the uh, when you turn the page and the, yeah. the bad guy is right there. And I love the, like, the way the panel is framed is that like it's the bad guy, you have the Galador waiter in the back, and you have Domino. It just shows it's yeah. like so innocuous, just like a random guy like in the restaurant. It's not even like a big focus. And he's I got know. his food with him. It's just such a nice way to, to position that. 
and and he's wearing a number two t-shirt like he's a clone <laughs> so this is the second one number two oh, so I was like, <laughs> it's well, great let that let that bring us to sorry Freya did you have something to add there no, I mean, I just wanted to say that why is that clone factory in a restaurant? <laughs> because you would never think that it's going to be there in the middle okay. of Tokyo, out of nowhere, right? And, right. Yeah. But yet, because of Domino's luck yeah. and she's hungry, she just wanted <laughs> gyoza from Tokyo in a tourist trap, not in a Japanese legit yeah. place. And yeah. So... <laughs> so it's funny. And, and and then but the thing is there is one question I do have though in this whole uh-huh. baby napper thing. I was not so uh, this is one of the stripes clone, right? Uh that's well, the question. That's let's the get thing into that, it, shall we? Yeah. Let's get into yeah. the segment that I like to call clones on clones on clones on clones on clones on clones. <laughs> so the, uh, I, there's a couple things happening here that I missed on my first read, and I think mm-hmm. we have to start with Cable gets into the secret bunker because the eye scanner detects his eye and let him in. in. Did everybody in. catch that your first time around? Feel free to all just kind of just chime in at once here. Yes or no? Yes. 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 Okay, yeah. I did not. Harry, did you catch <laughs> oh. it your first time? Kind of. Wait. I mean, I got the eye part, but yeah. Wait, what do you mean you didn't catch No, it? I... Like, I was like, okay, so it let him in because maybe they were looking for Cable to get in all along and it was uh, part of the plot. And then no. it took me until, like, okay, way, way later to be like, no, it's because he has the same eyeball, stupid. Okay. That's, yeah. That's yeah, so, so the thing, yeah. okay, so can I say, I know we all love Phil Noto, but this is one of the reasons I kind of really do not like Phil Noto because all his faces look the effing same. And that's why I kind of know it. Because I was like, whoa, okay, that guy looks like older K- middle-aged Cable. So obviously that guy's eyes work. So his eye will work there too. That's how I made it together. Not See, I'm, necessarily, I'm, the probably, not probably intentional. Sorry. I'm stupid. I didn't even think that this guy was a clone of Cable. I no, don't know why forever. I did it. No, yeah. you're saying no, no. you just got there now? Yeah. yeah. No, no, when I got to the end of the book and they oh, say no, in the data page. Yeah. yeah, it's the yeah. same for me too. Okay. I mean, when Peter asked about, like, did you get that he scanned his eyes? I mean, my my initial thought was like, oh, because this is a layer of Strife. And yes. because Strife is a clone of Cable, therefore, Cable could go in. Well, it's and, the same thing, yeah. Yeah. So, and also because I think I was I was thinking like, oh, you know, is it also goes to show that because he's young, so he's impulsive. So instead of like thinking first, he's like basically draw out his gun and start shooting at the door first. And then he's like, oh, maybe I should just try my eye. So I thought that was pretty well done. And like, you know, he didn't um, just just to sort of show that he's kind of like, you know, young and impulsive. Mm-hmm. So the question is, though, because it, it is, I think they were trying to do a misdirect that necessarily did not work. Because mm. the thing is, uh, Strife's eyes are like his. Yes, he, no. Strife never was infected with the techno-organic Damn infection. So, so generally, he has two. Right. The way you can generally tell the difference between a clone of Cable and a clone of Strife, who in turn is a clone of Cable, is that clones of Cable will still have the TO infection and have the eye, the glowing eye and metal and, on them. Um, and yeah. clones mm-hmm. of Strife will not and have stronger telekinesis because they are not holding the telekinetic infection at bay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. That's good to know. But cool. the thing is, what he's like... There, that's the guy. That's the baby napper. Why didn't he say that's Strive or 
not even say that. Well, that's that. So that's where it's a misdirect that I think they were trying to let mm. everyone to, but didn't quite work. Because when he said baby napper, I was like, wait, you all, the baby napper already died. Yeah. You know, and then I know that he knew that it's strife that he's looking for, but that's strife. So why doesn't he say yeah, that? I was, oh I my was God, really that's confused by strife. Like, all along, the baby so nappers have been duplicates That's where I got confused. Other, but then I when I the I thing worked, I'm like, oh, okay, I so didn't... that is strife. Yeah, I didn't understand yeah. that the, the baby nappers were all clones of each other and yeah. that they were also clones of Cable clones and Stripe. Of cable. Like, I think yeah. it's just a little oh. too fancy, Duggan. It just was like yeah. one step too far. And <laughs> and my thing is, exactly. you don't, I don't know about y'all, but I thought it was just me. Like, I did not, I did not once think that as I'm reading the book and then they tell you in the data page and yeah. I just feel like I've missed something and I feel like that's not the best storytelling, to be honest. It's, that seems like an important be that, you, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it landed. No, it sounds no. like we all oh, had you know some what? element of confusion. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, I mean, for the first the part, time, I'm just... reducing my rating then. It's, it's, it's a three. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, 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 that is the part that confuses me because I I understood that this number two is a clone of the, the guy that killed himself last sure. issue. But I did not get that this is actually a clone of Cable as well. So that's exactly. the which kind of, and also I mean, it he he is not infected anyway. So, so he's theoretically a clone. he's a strife clone. Yeah. yeah. So, but wouldn't so I think Cable, that's the part. even young Cable, know what strife that's looks what like? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. So, like, so we are all in agreement <sighs> that this this part doesn't work. Right. No. Okay. No. So just to be clear, to make sure all four of us got it, and hopefully our viewers too, Cable is chasing a circle of bi- mutant baby kidnappers. Yes. Baby nappers. The, the baby nappers. And the main organizing circle of baby nappers are themselves all clones of Strife, or at least two of them are. Yeah. Yes. And they have been growing clones of Cable so yes. that they could potentially replace them on Krakoa and yeah. we are also still missing five of the original ten babies. Have I covered yes. everything that's happening? Yes. Yes. You did. Okay. <laughs> and I, I'm glad that but, y'all are confused too, because I wasn't no, sure if it was me. Yeah. No, but the thing is, that's what I'm saying. It's not. Mo- it's more than confusion. It's also dumb because Cable does not recognize his own face. Like. Yeah. That. Is or maybe he's withholding, but it's like it just it's withholding only because of the suspense of storytelling that is doesn't work. You know, it's just like oh, you know, it's some it's like something that can be solved with a post-it note, <laughs> and you know, then they're not trying because they're trying to tell a story. No, but anyway. cable, cable could be could be like me. Who doesn't recognize his <laughs> totally face? face blind. <laughs> yeah, so his face line. So he's you like, was, oh. You know what I was thinking about too? Like I was thinking if Domino had run into the room like a second earlier and mm-hmm. she had said, Strife, like, you know, like because she she would remember him sequentially yeah. from having fought him many times. I just needed that one moment of some other character other than Cable saying it on panel to make it all click for me. And then I think I would have forgiven that Cable didn't... Um, it, like recognize him because then you could have handled that later like an issue from now being like Damo being like you really didn't know and Cable was like I don't know he was kind of like you know he was kind of wearing his weight on his face or like some stupid excuse you know then then yeah. no. a, a gag but, so you but, know Cable could Cable could be like Fariha it's like I don't know any of this character I don't know yeah. who remembers but, faces but, 
Yeah. I mean, to give Dugan's credit, right? Domino did not actually see the baby napper's face. No, no. I'm just saying I think That's it true. might have actually worked. Better. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you change the story right. so that she saw, okay, got it. Just because of the problems we, we seem to be having. Yeah. It seems like we need like one more thing. So Yeah, because I think my initial note was also like, wait, I thought there's no killing of humans in... For, for the mutants. And she and warns him Kaber, She's like, you better pick yeah. your shots. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Just basically shot him. I was like, is, wait, what? Is there a loophole because it's a clone? I I, I thought maybe no, no, that no, was no, it. He's a mutant now because he's, he's a clone he's of a clone Cable. Of oh, right, 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 yeah. right. I guess right. you can okay. kill yourself yeah. as many. I don't know. Uh, so. Yeah, Jean has already established that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kill, right, kill right. clone. We're not going to bring them back. You know, don't worry about clones. And kill so them. there's this one interesting facet here that's mentioned is strife somewhere in the future is confused potentially sad that cable has given up his war on strife because <laughs> teen cable this time around instead went back to the past to kill old cable which teen cable hadn't always done or else there would have never been an old cable because teen old cable when he was a teen didn't kill his exact you know you get it so but i just thought it was it was funny in the moment because it, strife was kind of like he was really quite confused about your uh pacific island vacation and i and i thought that this was an interesting thing that like strife is awaiting cable to fulfill mm -hmm. this duality of their destiny and constantly fight with each other and without cable like messing with him in the future strife is like i guess i'm gonna go back to the present and mess with things i guess like he can't help himself he could have just yeah. went on in the future and done whatever the heck he wanted to but no here we are kidnapping babies in the present just to mess with cable he's mm -hmm. obsessed <laughs> it's not healthy well i mean <laughs> Like, like they say, you know, I mean, um, isn't that this, this, this line that they talk about being a nemesis? So that's what being a nemesis does, right? You, mm. you keep wanting to, to meet up and fight this other person or other group. Yeah. So you're kind of, you're kind of clingy. It's hard to get over it. You know? Yeah. yeah. We end here with a very mysterious passage of old cable who's mm -hmm. been appearing occasionally at the end of these issues. Yeah. And he has a very similar thing that happens. He, he scans himself biometrically. He goes into this place. He gets over a tripwire, but then something happens again. I think the art was unclear. Like he steps on a floor. There's like a weighted floor or something. Yeah. The floor yeah. falls. Not super clear. And and he falls. And, uh, and he's fallen into some kind of trap. And the person who's voicing over says, finally, you old bastard, I was starting to think you weren't going to drop in. I hope I dug your grave deep enough. So yeah. two questions here, and we'll go around. One, who is this old cable relationally? And then B, who do we think has set the trap, Tyler? I mean, okay, first, I don't think he went in using biometric. It says that he, used, he uses TK. Yeah. So he's a TK That's is the best true. option. Yeah. I just mean visually. I visually. I, I totally yeah. misstated. Visually looks similar, but it visually does it looks similar. That it's TK. Definitely. Yeah. And okay. So well, I mean, Cable is a time traveler, so it could be any time period of Cable between, you know, him dying and you know, and and him, at that age. So we don't know necessarily that this happens after Cable got. Old Cable got killed by Young Cable. It could be one of these time loop, time jump, not loop, but time jumping thing. And you can insert him anywhere, given that there's no context here. So, I, but who is, I mean, who dug the hole? Yeah, so my guess would be that it is, I mean, the easy guess would be Strive. But, you know, the other thing could be 
this is actually a clone of old cable and the real cable is actually <laughs> trapping him so so i mean it can go a lot of way um but um one other thing i wanted to note um and this is more for peter do you think that the building looks a little bit like the ship <sighs> maybe. maybe yeah that's... i could see elements of it that do yeah ship um cable took apocalypse's big ship and it became cable's headquarters for a lot of mm. uh classic it was actually x-factor's headquarters x-factor yeah and then cable takes it and it, i could see that i absolutely could see that harry mm -hmm. who do you think this cable is and who dug his grave uh i mean this in the nicest possible way um i don't know and i don't care uh, <laughs> i have no connection to cable in a lot of these books uh i thought this was easily the weakest part of the issue i just figured it was strife I don't know Strife's voice enough to know. I don't know how Duggan writes Strife enough. So I was just kind of totally uh, unmoored. Um, I would assume it's a clone in some way because this whole book's been about clones. It's a good guess. But clone I, is, a, is a great <laughs> guess if we're playing Vegas odds on this. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Young Cable, and I think I'll leave it at that. All right. Freya, do you even care, I think, is the adaptation of the question for you. Like, you know, I don't, I don't care. Uh, but the thing is, I just, my question was though, have we already seen how Young Cable killed the old Cable? Yes. yes. That we have already seen that. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I was, I wasn't sure. I thought that this was that murder scene, but apparently not. No. So it could be mm, okay. like, sure. We can have yeah. like a one whole arc about this. Why no, not? I mean I'm just gonna throw or, it out there, right? Like, or maybe, the... oh, hold okay. on, hold on. Or maybe this is the young cable goes into the future, like old after like rocks, fox, docks, mocks, Tosh. everything is over, and then strife killed him. Then I'm just kidding. I don't care. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> no, I I was just going to say that there there is this line about nemesis that kind of sort of. Um, goes back to the um, you know the the, um, the 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 two lines. So this one is the this old cable says I deserved a better nemesis, and then the clone the the middle age you know napper did say something like I really wish for a worthier nemesis. So there's this this thing going on which I thought was kind of um, intentional. I think. Funny you should say that. Uh, Nemesis is an alternate codename for Holocaust, who is the son of Apocalypse, with a horrible name that I would prefer a character not to yeah. have, from the Age of Apocalypse, with a brilliant, brilliant design. He is, is he? He is one of the ones that does get transported at the end of Age of Apocalypse to be on the regular Earth. But there was always this question of, like, where is the regular Earth version of nemesis. nemesis did apocalypse ever have the sun on the current earth and so with them saying mm. nemesis over and over i like pulled up my x-men wiki because i was like mm, this is you know it's apocalypse it's aoa it's time travel it could come in could be a hint the other thing i as i think about this plot i just think there's 
it's one of three things and each of them are interesting on their own, but I don't know which one is a good idea, right? So there's one idea that this is old man Cable as we knew him at some point before Team Cable killed him. And mm -hmm. maybe to the point that he even colludes with Team Cable in a way that made it necessary to kill him, which would help like contextualize Team Cable yeah. a little bit more. So that's one potential thing. It could be that old Cable didn't die or had a duplicate. If you read Simon Spurrier's X-Force towards the end of Marvel Now, the whole gag was that Gable, Cable was being recloned every day because his body was breaking down. And that isn't the last time we saw Cable before um, All New All Different Marvel, but it certainly was one of the last few Cable stories. So it's completely credible that Cable, old Cable might have a duplicate still running around. And I think mm -hmm. that is potentially interesting. Or as some of you brought up, it could be the old version of Team Cable, which I think is also interesting because table, Cable's always about time stuff. So those are my big three right now. And in terms of who dug the hole, I feel like it's too easy for it to be Strife. I feel yeah. like it's either Young Cable or it's something connected to Apocalypse, possibly Nemesis, because so much of Cable is tied up with Apocalypse. And my final parting shot there is I like that Cable actually had something nasty to say about Apocalypse for at least a second here. Like, he's a bad guy, you know? And I'm fine with him being on the Krakom not trying to do this. They're all villains on the island. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying yeah. it's nice to see some characters who have a terrible history with Apocalypse still bring up sometimes like, okay, he did ruin my life. Let's not forget. Yeah, <laughs> yep, he did. Um, I, I, I liked um, your, um, your take on all of this far better than that last two pages. Well, like, you know, I, it could be any of those <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah the tradition of Clue, my favorite movie. Maybe it's yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> good reference. <laughs> I love that movie. But I really like those text exchange, though. It's like, someone, anyone, please, anyone. <laughs> well, here's all these options. I'll give it to Deadpool. And, I'll give it to Deadpool. It to, no one yeah, comes. <laughs> please, anyone. And then he's like, X-Force is incoming. It's like, X-Factor. X-Factor. Sorry, X-Factor. X-Factor. push the blade. Push the, the, the buck to X-Factor. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. dead clones. Figure out what, what to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. go, get out of here. Like, you know, but, I was like, I just re I really like that. And also the Domino is so old that she's like signing her name to her text messages. <laughs> exactly. like, you know, like, hope you're okay today, mom. You know, like Domino. And then she like is, she all of the punctuation, she's using M dashes. This is what broke, Tyler talks about typos breaking him out of the issue. The thing that broke me out is who uses an M dash in a text message? I'm the king of grammar and I don't use M dashes in text messages. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, that's all. I don't know, Harry, you're my newspaper man. Do you have a comment I, uh, on M dashes and text I love, messages? I love M dashes when I'm writing, but uh, I'd never use them in a text. That's never all I can text. say. There so, you go. Yeah. That's the definitive this, word. This is just like my mom. Sorry, mom. When she leaves a message for me, in the past, when she leaves a message for me, she's like, call me, please. And I was like, what's the purpose of a message is to leave the message, not leaving a message for me to call you to hear the message. I was like, Silly. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, so I think we've established that Domino is an old person. Uh, and yeah. that is, that's our final statement on the issue. Marauders 18, as we like to do, let's begin with a go-round of our reactions. Please, let's not get into the one big shocker just in the go-round because we will have plenty of time for that. Tyler, you go first. I, I'm a little bit conflicted about this issue because I thoroughly enjoyed the first half of the issue and then the second half was a little bit too simplistic when dealing with international relationships, I think. So, I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but it just doesn't seem credible the ways the, the event turned out. I mean, that said, 
the strength of the first half is enough to get this issue to a 3.5 plastic plastic surgeries out of five. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Harry. All right. So this is low-key a very weird issue. Uh, it is, the, the pacing of it is kind of bizarre. And I, I agree, you know, Tar, you touched on something where the uh, the, tu- the the handling of international factions and, and commerce and what have you is seems to be kind of on fast forward. It seems very neat and tidy the way they move. On, on one hand, that did bother me when I was reading it. On the other hand, I do feel like this book has been very decompressed at times. So I wasn't too upset that it's moving quick, but it left a weird feeling. There's a scene in the beginning of this issue that's incredible and i've been thinking about it the last couple of days and then there are you know there's an art transfer there's and then there's a huge reveal there's just a lot going on in this book that uh uh is is interesting if not great so i would also give it 3.5 um surgeries out of five but uh you know it's it's the most interesting 3.5 i think i've read in a while hmm. free ha so i went like <gasps> And then, mm, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. But ultimately, you know, for every person who's like, like, oh my God, mutants have nothing to worry about. This is the issue. I'm going to shove it down their fa- throat, <laughs> staples and all. This is the Damn. issue for that. I mean, You've screw, been that no- screw that nonsense. Because you know what? <laughs> Racist people are still there. There are still people who called mutant muties. Every time I hear that, my head gets gets on fire and you know it happens so much over here but ugh, we're gonna talk about it anyway all right it's well, a good issue i i was torn because i think it started with such a big thing that it was impossible to stop thinking about that and they almost got me off topic because they brought a lot of great stuff through the rest of the issue mask any kind of morloxy mask thing i'm there any yeah. kind of like bringing the reavers back i'm there but when i got to the end of the issue it did feel a little empty calorie to me which is mm. often my dispute about marauders that it like feels like we're always opening plot threads and we're never kind of like closing any plot threads and now there's only one issue it says to be concluded it's not ending next issue they've already solicited 20 but i think this big plot is concluding so it was a little bit under par for me i think it had a lot of great moments that i'm going to remember but as a comic book issue it kind of was just like "Eh." that's totally (laughs) fair yeah it's it's very scattered yeah, so we're going to get to all three of those big moments because they're all things that we enjoy. But look, we, we've got to start with the elephant in the room. If you can ever call anything associated with Emma Frost and elephants, the best dressed elephant that's ever lived on the planet Earth. Because Emma <laughs> Frost dunks on Xavier and Magneto <laughs> so hard. And she dunks in a way that really, really makes it seem like she knows everything about Maura McTaggart as Maura X and her participation in this. And before I throw it to Faria, let me just point out, she's having this unveiling for a hospital. She invites Charles and Eric Magneto. And she also has Proteus there, which is like a huge breach because he's one of the five and you do not want to risk one of the five. So immediately it's like, what would cause Emma to be able to bring him there? Then the hospital is called Maura McTaggart Memorial, although I think they're missing the word hospital. Like something's just felt rushed (laughs) in this issue. and so then she unveils a statue of Mora, and it's not like lab coat Mora that we all know with like the high ponytail and the Kalnick sweater or the, you know, no. It's Mora with the friggin' hoop earrings. It's the Mora that's on Tyler's shirt for those of you watching. And she, and it ends, Charles and Eric are like, WTF. And it ends with Emma saying, it's worth it just for the look on Eric and Charles's faces. 
Faria. So I actually went and checked. The dress that Moira's, the jacket that Moira's wearing is the same from the Hawks 2 that Xavier and her goes to the island to talk to Magneto. Mm-hmm. It's that same jacket. So therefore, she definitely got this from Magneto's memory. Because Magneto is hanging around her without his helmet uh-huh. a long time. That's what you're getting. However, and this is my question because I don't pay attention to things. So as far as Xavier and Magneto is concerned, they've been dealing with Moira, this version of Moira, for a very long time, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been this is like a whole lifetime. So yeah, why is Xavier this Xavier like at Oxford? Right. And then they, then he knew it from then. And they yeah. have been doing planning and doing all of this all of this time. So why is Emma showing it off to them now? Like we as reader know about it now. So why is Emma holding on to this information for this long and decide to rub it on their face now? I mean, I didn't get it. I didn't get that, like, you know, in terms of like, yes, for us, it's a huge shocker because, oh my God, we just learned about this. As far as these characters are concerned, it's not, it's not a new thing. It's been going for, so why is she waiting this long? Why she hasn't said that every time she didn't need to up one them? I, I didn't quite get that. Look, I think it's a terrific question. I have some <laughs> thoughts on it, but I want to let everybody have the go round and maybe see what their thoughts are before we come back around to me. So, Harry? Yeah, I just, I was also taken aback to say the least. I was just reading, I'm like, oh, okay. So Emma knows a lot more than I think we've been led to believe, or at least I, I had thought. And uh, I just, yeah, I had just questions on questions. I was just doing dishes. Like, so how long did she know? Where did this go? Like, where's this going? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was cool, and um, but it definitely makes me wonder how much of their inner workings and plans that she's known about and what that means for uh, the future. Because, like, of course, if Emma knows it, then things are might get more complicated. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, the first question is like, oh, wait, does Emma know? Like, you know, and then I was like, okay, fine. It's obvious that she knows something. But, like, how does she know, you know? Is it because, you know, uh, Magneto took off, took off his helmet and say, well, tell me what happened briefly in, in, yeah. in, in King in Black Marauders? Or is it because Emma is sleeping with um, Wolverine? And Whoa. remember, and Wolverine Ew. was shown... No, why did anyone on the internet ever say that sentence? Ew. I might bleep that out. Because, yeah. <laughs> Leave it out. Gross. Disgusting. Because, Ew. Because going as, to jail. Far, as far as you have pointed out, Wolverine knew about Moira because of the alternate timeline that Statue 9 showed it to him after he stabbed her. So We think. That's, that's, we think. Yeah, that's we think. the Fariha theory. Yeah. The theory yeah. Yeah. Fariha theorem. Yeah, that's that's yeah, my so, theorem. So, like, you know. So, no, I was mostly, I was mostly, I was like, okay, why are you rubbing it on here? Yeah. I, I just no, didn't get I know. it. I, know what I you just mean. didn't get that. So, look, we've realized over time that Marauders, in part, is the story of Emma moving chess pieces very subtly mm-hmm. on the Quiet Council and getting her way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Put, finally putting one over on Shaw, 
you know, having her, bringing her brother into the fold, doing all of these things. Now, she, you know, changing who handles which market, changing the balance of the power on the committee itself by selecting Kate, although originally she said she might have a different choice for the nomination. Yeah. And then in a way, having her own shadow council in, in the Hellfire Club of all of these, you know, bishops and whatever. Um, so... Maybe she knew about more all along, or maybe not. I don't have a good answer to that question. You know, did she pick something up off of Xavier when Xavier first brought her to Krakoa and she had that for the children moment? Has she picked it up on Magneto since then? That would actually be really clever. I don't know. But there's something that Emma's trying to get from them. Emma is nothing if not transactional. What does she want or what does she want them to react to now when she could have unsettled them with this Mora statue at any point? And to that point, even though Mora has been dead since Dream's End, which was pre-Morrison at this point, you know, or always, um, she was never relevant before now, really, unless unless at some point Hickman goes back and tells us, oh, it was Mora who got Xavier to get Scott to make Utopia, or, you know, like pull some <laughs> other strings. Yeah. As far as we know, the next plot relevance for Mora really after Dream's End was, hey, it's Krakoa time and Charles and, and Eric being like, this is how it's going to be. We've brought all these technological things together that you've suggested and we think we know a better way now. So it's only been relevant for Emma so long as Marauders has existed because Mora's been, been brought back in the fold. So I don't really yeah. have a full answer for these questions for you, but like that's... That's how far I got on my own this week. I don't know. Does does that go round give you some more things to, to bring up and talk about? Yeah, I, so I do like that explanation. But then to that, that brings me to my second point that I, and I'm pretty sure this is probably explained somewhere and stuff. Why does it matter if everyone else knows about Moira? Because it's like the reveal that like they're in like a cycle of realities and there's like a uh, much bigger game being played. I mean, we don't really no. know what's going to happen when she dies the last time, I guess, is one part of it. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, but, but, I, but don't, don't, don't say her power, what her power is. Just say that, hey, she's back. She's alive. We always come back from dead. Like, do you but think they're going to have to explain would... that she's a mutant. That's the yeah. thing. Nobody does Emma. Does this imply that Emma knows that she's a mutant, right? To bring more no, back, but... they, they've plenty of people have been brought back, you know? But yeah. to bring yeah, her back and have to explain she was a mutant all this time and then answer the questions that go along with that starts to unravel. And and I think, too, that we have to remember, like, we don't know really what Xavier's plan is here. Like, it's been mm -hmm. issues okay. and months since we've talked yeah. about the whole mutant dynamo thing. Why yeah. is it important they're all in Krakoa? Why is it important they're all brought back? It's not just how the goodness of his heart. And look, I, I we're doing this much explaining because the books are not doing it for us. Like, yeah. I don't want to make it out like right. these questions are are such easy questions that we're answering. We're having this discussion because the X-Men books took the most interesting thing about Hawksbox and they've pretty much put it in a deep six for yeah. 18 issues. So we're rabid to talk about this, but we need a little bit more context than this too, I think is, is yeah. the answer to this question. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If yeah, yeah I mean, fair. that's what I... Yeah, because I'm saying that in Marvel Universe, everyone comes back. Like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, she's she's not a mutant, she's a human, and she came back because it's no one will blink an eye. That's what I'm saying. So that's one of the reasons I was just like, okay, so then what is the point of all of this? I don't know. Mm. Maybe because I was so focused on this couple of pages at the early on that I just started to thinking way more about this. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Peter. We do not know the ultimate plans. So mm -hmm. um, we we do know that Xavier, Magneto, and Moira has a plan. And this is only the beginning of that plan. So we do not mm -hmm. know where it's going to have where it's going to lead and how or what is gonna happen. So um, you know and, and why 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 is there um, a resistance to have pre on the island? Mm. 
they need to follow up uh, next issue, this one soon after, about what's going on with Emma's plan here. Because it's too big a thing to put in this issue and then just kind of leave sitting there. So. I'm pretty it's, sure it's, that it's all happening at Gala. In the Gala. Is all yeah. happening at a gala. But then, it's all you know, how Montian? I mean, we did, you know, Tyler and Free and I just read this Shadow King's yeah. first appearance, and we were trying to figure out how many issues went by before the Shadow King was even hinted at again. I mean, this just goes to show we say that people are impatient all the time, but here we are, four impatient readers. It's been 18 issues, and we're like, oh, it took so long to get on this plot. <laughs> like, welcome to reading X Men in a way. Although, I think there's also valid points to be made about, like, you can't set up a whole era with the status quo and the non-comment on the status quo. I have one final comment here, then we're moving on. Um, if you read Emma's X-Men Black one-shot, which came mm-hmm. just before the Uncanny X-Men run that yeah. came just before Age of X-Men, which came just before Hoxpox, uh, it kind of establishes that Emma was very interested in being the king in black, you know, the, the black king, not the king in black, different story, <laughs> the black king of the Hellfire Club and being in charge of kind of the fate of the mutant race and that she's willing to make sacrifices sometimes as long as she gets a say in the control. And that was written by the brilliant Leah Williams, who we adore on this channel, who I think actually understands Emma the best of anybody on the planet, really, based on her tweets about Emma. She's only written her the one time, but I think she really gets it. So part of me can't help but think like, you know, the Hickman stuff was in the air at that point. Did we know that Emma was going to be kind of one of the major players here? And were we kind of seeding that there? Were we seeding it in the way that she acted in Matthew Rosenberg's Uncanny X-Men? Some fans are really like, did any of that stuff matter? We're seeing that it mattered for Prodigy, right? How did he die? Oh, I died with everybody else like Loa. No, he didn't. So is this one more thing that actually was seeded and it just took us two whole years to figure out that it was hinted before we got here? That's my final comment on the Emma thing. Okay, small plot point, worth one go round though. Uh, the hospital opens and Callisto shows up with a Mask, one of the downright nastiest characters in X-Men history, I would say. And Mask basically just can melt and reform your skin. He's he's a walking mutant plastic surgeon. And Callisto introduces him because it's a um, to this couple that has a baby with like a, a cleft lip or a palate or something of that nature mm-hmm. and ha- says, you know, it's his turn to contribute as Dr. Mask. Now, this is a real thing. My partner actually is really good friends with somebody from the States who twice a year would fly to remote locations all around the world who was a plastic surgeon and just do this for like a week. He would like stay up. He, was, he would like take his vitamin C and stay up as long as he could. And he would do as many surgeries as he could for a week to fix problems that kids had like this and then fly home and like recover and that was just part of the things that he did as the year goes on so first of all this is drawn from like a very real thing Mm -hmm. that happens in the world but also i love that callisto now having been reborn through the crucible is like giving mask this transformative experience too. mask who stabs her in the back so many times over the years so tyler you know you're our most experienced x-men reader here what did this make you feel anything to see mask holding a little baby <laughs> yeah i mean the the his face when when the parents were so appreciative and then the baby with that cute smile um when they were hugging mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. you know I, I think it just goes to shows that like um most people just want to feel appreciated mm. and 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 in some ways i think i i mean i think in this case you know it is the rehabilitation of mask and 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 giving him a real chance to to function um as a contributing members of the society and and that i think sort of like um helps him be a better person mm. harry 
I mean, yeah, I don't have familiarity with this character, but this is like the scene of the book. This is a, a beautiful scene. It's like a great sentiment of this character who I figured was probably at least slightly villainous or, or something along those More lines. More than a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but just having this opportunity to be kind and, and to make the world a better place in a, in a small way or, you know, add some good to the world. And it's like his kind of silent, like just taking it in at the very end. I, I think this is like, easily one of the best scenes of the book like period like throughout the issue so far um i really really liked it for any thoughts on that so is he part of the morlocks he is mm-hmm. he's a classic oh, okay. named morlock from the earliest morlock appearances yeah and they're they're kind of like more of an underground mutant like you know yeah, living they're the, in the sewer. they're the tunnel rats i don't want to yeah. say it <laughs> Yeah, Freed's not like sewers in comic books. Yeah. That's a no. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so the thing is, anyway, um, no, I was actually kind of, I really loved it because the thing is, it kind of also shows that, you know, we, I was talking about that shoving this down people's throat about new status quo who are complaining about the new status quo because this is what new status quo allows. Like, you know, this allows that this kind of rehabilitation of kind of like unsavory mutants in a way and then provide a path for them so that they can actually figure out that their their power which i'm assuming they were using all this time for really terrible stuff or like you know taking like dif- dif- disfiguring people now they can mm-hmm. use it to help people and this is like you know this also kind of goes back to the human mutant relationship being um at display and then from all of that point of view it just was I thought it was very perfect. And then the, the, the child smile, that made me go, aww. The way, you know, it was a, it right. was a she. Like, you know, just when, that was <laughs> it's really very cute. cute. That was very cute. So, yeah. So, I think I think from that, it was a very nice touch. I feel like I could write a 10,000-word essay just on the panel of him looking at his hands speechless yeah. and right. her saying, I've got other work to do. Have fun. And the implication of, like, this is you having fun with your power. There's so many times in history, especially towards the beginning of X-Factor, that Mm -hmm. Mask gleefully uses his powers to disfigure. But, like, is it fun? He's a dyed-in-wool, tried-and-true Morlock. He's one of these people that, like, we're never going to be accepted. He's one of the ones that leaves the X-Factor facility when X-Factor is like, you can stay here. And Mask is like, no, that's not going to work. I've got to go back, you know? And um, he's never had the chance to not be worried about being the oppressed in order to even ask the question about what would fun with my power looks like. Because his version of fun with his power was always a reflection of his repression and ostracization. And this idea of Callisto using Krakoa to go to individual Morlocks and say, what's the thing you would have done instead with your life if you hadn't been oppressed from birth as a mutant and then oppressed from birth on top of that as an ugly mutant? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's the thing I'm the most interested to see these books dig into a little bit. It's why I get so excited every time Callisto shows up. And this, I mean, what is it? Two pages? Three pages? Two pages? Three pages? It's It's one of the best scenes in this whole Jonathan Hickman because it says all of those things. I love when scenes say those things um, without, and Free and Harry don't even know Mask's full history. And I feel like you guys still kind of got all of this, right? Like I didn't need to say all of this. And I think that's- I mean, I 
I saw a mask. I'm like, oh, brother, no. Mm. <laughs> and also, the, also the, probably the only time in Mask's life he's ever worn a tie and has ever shampooed his hair. Let's just yeah. put that out there, too. So um, I just think that this scene is worth a thousand more McTaggart statues to me. Like, that was fun, <laughs> but this, to me, is so yeah. much more valuable. This taps into, like, a deeper level, like, emotional resonance than anything the books... I mean, that book has sometimes done before, but this is this is just special. It felt better. Yeah, I'm just so looking forward to Storm and the Morlocks because I know that she's <laughs> very much in, into, like, you know, connected with them. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. There's actually, if you if you can't wait for the issues, there's an excellent ish episode. It's like the fourth episode of X-Men, the animated series, which is on Disney Plus. But I just started watching with the kids and they they yeah. actually do the whole compressed Morlock story yeah. in like 22 <laughs> minutes. But it's with different X-Men that they had at the time. So they just have to like squeeze it to work because there's like no kitty and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. and, it's, it's, so, and there's no angel for Callisto to slobber over. And so she has to think Scott <laughs> is attractive instead. And it's a whole thing. Um, but, it, um, but it actually hey. does tell the, the Morlock story really well. Mm-hmm. We just kicked Harry off yeah. because Harry, we were having been... different ideas about things. We didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so Harry had to step away from recording today. Uh, he's not in the Krakoan hole. We haven't sent him to the resurrection protocols that we're willing to reveal to you. He'll be back in a body that looks remarkably similar next week. But uh, maybe with a few changes here and there that he might have gotten the five to make form. So let's talk about the last scene in this issue, which is uh, Iceman buys a bar. It's Iceman starring, Coyote, Coyote Ugly starring Iceman. And and they buy this bar because it's like one of these last land grabs that they can make in Krakoa. But running as an undercurrent through this whole issue is the Hellfire Club kids being like, oh, they're ruining our takeover of Madripoor. I might have just said Krakoa. We all know I meant Madripoor. Yeah. And uh, and so they buy the bar, but it only they've only bought it for a minute before the Hellfire Club unleashes Reavers on them. And I have to say, if there's any way to redeem these Hellfire Club kids, which we know I historically don't like, at least have them bring back some other classic X-Men nonsense like Reavers, right? <laughs> like that that's an easy way to my heart. Yeah. Is um and and to the point though that they're trying to have make the X-Men have a PR problem on the international stage. Does this sequence of events work for you, Tyler? This whole, like, they buy a bar, it's imme- they, they were immediately unleashed the Reavers on them because yeah. they knew they bought the bar like a second later, and then they're in the UN two minutes after that. Like, yeah. does this work? I mean, everything kind of works up to the point where it's like, oh, um, they, this is a setup, and um, the UN put an embargo on Marauders. They cannot go on to Madripoor anymore and I was like um that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> yeah uh, I mean I know what you're getting at but um like why would the UN be involved in this based on like one fight and you know I don't know and you know yeah they actually I mean, have I d- been into so much nonsense on Madripoor yeah. throughout this series and the Wolverine series like what about this mm-hmm. one fight at a bar that they owned yeah. makes it worth all of this nonsense. Like, I just didn't... It just seemed like it was really sudden. Yeah, it doesn't Freya? make sense to me. I hated it. Like, you know, I whatever, you know. And it's not because, like, oh, my God, I don't want mutants to have, like, any the cha- yeah. challenge or anything. It's not that. It's just, like, we've seen this a million times before. I kind of like the idea that, oh, okay, they're trying to trick us and get um, public opinion, sway mm-hmm. the public opinion by taking pictures and stuff. That is very real life, and that is, yeah. like, you know, very useful and all of that. But the thing is, I'm hard-pressed to believe Krakoa doesn't have their ambassador in UN. 
Like, you know, exactly. the Krakowan chair is empty. Like, are they... Well, well, maybe they are. Maybe they're that stupid. Maybe no, but they're not. Just That's went, the thing. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're just in the statue unveiling everyone. Maybe that's what they're supposed to. I don't know. And that's, but that's what I'm saying though. But it, because it now creates this kind of situation, right? It's like, oh, yeah. are they that dumb? Like, you know, why? Why are we even having these stories, right? That's the so thing. It, so and then first I I hate those kids like seriously Emma Frost Kate Pride Storm their nemesis are those dumb kids mm. like seriously come on do better but the thing and one thing I was actually a little bit I was like whoa they they kind of went there because the thing is is that one of the fight scene Bishop is like I'm unarmed I'm unarmed don't shoot it was. A very stark, like, you know, with a lot of things that going on with, you know, and with a black man. And I thought it was something because I think like Luke Cage kind of did that same thing in the TV series where it's like he's being shot at, but nothing happens. And there was like a very much of a real life allegory over there. And I think they were trying to do the same allegory. Like, you know, he was shot at, but nothing happened to him. But I don't know if that's armed. (laughs) That's he, that was kind of I mean that kind of made me go a little bit oh I don't know yeah I mean you have to think that the X office is a very diverse place at this point and just because Duggan's the writer on this book it doesn't mean that he didn't yeah, yeah. consult with a lot of people on that moment like you just don't know anymore when it comes to X Men right, which right. is as it should be isn't it nice to be able to say that about X Men finally because it's nothing we could ever say be- before the last couple of years that like well yeah. this reads a little weird but you know they actually have women and people of color and LGBT people in this room with them because that's not really often the case in the history of X Men so yeah. that's nice right. but um, I do think that it's like it's, you know, you've always got to, just like you have to, you know, you can't use somebody being like, but I can't breathe anymore in the same way because it has overtones in the mm-hmm. real world now that you have to be right. like, did you think about that line of dialogue and the way yeah. that it's being portrayed in the page and the way somebody's using force against them? You've got to just, you got to just think about the implications about these kind of like hands up moments with a black man, one of the few on the X-Men. Um, and not just that, that he's being shot at by racist people. Like, it's even another layer of that, you yeah. know? So that, I was like, Ugh. But then there's also the layer of Bishop and his grin in the next panel of, like, yeah. it's like, you race is gonna racist, Reaver's gonna right. Reaver. Like, yeah. you know exactly. they're gonna shoot me, and I'm not somebody that you can actually just do that with. Um, here's the thing that I kind of came away from this with. I loved everything about this up until the moment that Bishop said this is a setup time to go. I like the yeah. buying of the bar. I like the downtime scene with the boys. I love Pyro being Pyro. I love Bishop looking fine and, and being in charge. <laughs> I loved everything about this right up until it's a setup. Then I'm like, you yep. just wasted this whole cool exactly. moment of them exactly. like being something other than just marauders for this really, frankly, stupid plot beat. Mm-hmm. And, like, exactly. and then all, no, and then all of that in service of setting up this ambassador moment, which also was stupid. Um, although, I will say, given the week that we're having in the United States, and if you're watching this and you're one of our fans in Texas and Oklahoma and the American <sighs> South, like, oh my gosh, our hearts are oh with you God. right now. Um, but for them to then come back to the UN and him to say, Madriplor has no snowplows, of course. They'll be shoveling tons of ice into the harbor by hand. It's like, Wow, what a week for that line it, to hit. Because I'm, is, I've heard people talking about this kind of thing on Twitter, literally, as we're recording this. And the problem is that Madripoor is a tropical island. The ice will melt, melt in the matters right of minutes. Away. Right, because that's not storm. She didn't bring a whole yeah. winter storm. It's ice. Have it's a sculpture competition. 
It's not right. Crippling. So that part that that I mean I agree with you. Like the whole setup part and then the 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 UN scene, it just does not make sense to me. I mean I even love that the new rivers were were were, were aptly named. Because the original rivers were goons that were made by Wolverine. Right. They're Wolverine leftovers. Wolverine leftovers. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> I did have so, delight in that as a longtime yeah. fan. I was like, Tyler's going to love this. I literally so, thought that when I read it. I know you love that stuff. So this, were like, this is like really um, appropriate. And then they were aptly named. And also, I mean, there's an implication here. There's like, okay, fine. The X-Men, you know, the Krakoans cannot kill humans. But they do leave a trail of like you know injured and maimed right. enemies mm-hmm. around and that is going to come back to bite them and going all the way back to the first here. issue of marauders where kate like yeah, phases kate, the gun through the people in exactly. the people are like that's kind of rough for kitty pride and we're I like know. it's a new time for mutants but like <laughs> yeah and it set yeah. up new reavers exactly and i mean and then it went back to like x-men number four where gorgon basically um just um slice and dice everybody's limbs off mm-hmm. you know while they were waiting to attack ambush um um professor x man yeah. you know and apocalypse so that i mean, I mean that 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 was a really good callback and i mean maybe we can just like you know um erase the last few pages from our memory <laughs> no because i i think like it would have been fine if they're like oh okay like this is all of this happened and then this yeah. um, ambassador person um just kind of spewing all this nonsense and we just left it at that what yeah. really pissed me off is like oh yeah now that you had a sanction against i'm like really and then okay and what is krakow's comeback you know yeah, maybe also, that's what the next issue is going to be but maybe. also the need to say this is a setup like i think it would have it would have hit better had it not been a setup if that just was what was happening you know mm. It's, mm. I mean, I have to say, you know, fashion-wise, I am enjoying the the blazer, the full buttoned blazer with no sleeves. That's cool. <laughs> um, I'm into that. But <laughs> that's the only really positive that I took from that page. So, so, what about what? the what about the 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 really flattened hair? No, <laughs> I mean, he looks like, like Keith Urban on a I not know, a good day. <laughs> like, ugh, like you know, it's like, I'm like that's like a racist look. You know, <laughs> and bangs with that haircut. Really, who are, are you cosplaying? He Man on the side. Who? What guy has that hair with those bangs? Anyway, um, apparently a racist. So that brings us to the end of our discussion. I think. Does anybody else have any? I know Tyler. There was some uh, some of our classic editorial misses here. Did you want to yeah. bring any of them up? I mean, it's like Kate dress just change half change. After the first scene, like in the first panel where where you have a far shot of her, she was in a gown with a high slit, and then the next the next time you see her, she's in a pirate um costume. Now you don't and... think that could just be her pilot her pirate coat buttoned at the waist, but not buttoned lower, like the way Gambit wears his coat. You don't think that that could be what it is? No, that's not what so. it is. No. That's definitely that's not, what not what it is. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm, I'm on your side, X Men editorial team. Just this once, let it be known. Oh, but it, but I think it's like we. One thing, one thing to say that in that same scene, the Shaw is still there in his wheelchair. Yeah. So they brought Shaw yeah. for this. Like it's like you yeah. have to come. Like you know, or yeah, the like they, pro- they probably just like didn't even ask. Just brought him there. So. 
X-Men Legends number one. We have two bits of business to talk about before we can get into lightning rounding and cross-talking in our discussion. The first is that this was drawn by Brett Booth, and I just want to point everybody out to a discussion that we had when we introduced Booth's art on X-Men issue 17. He has, over the course of the past decade, engaged in some misogynistic harassment on Twitter, in some anti-Semitic and Islamophobic language online, on Twitter and on his blog. And we cover everything X-Men, but we think it's worth pointing these things out so you can go and have that information for yourself. And if you want to see the full discussion, please head back to our X-Men 17 discussion and you can see our full disclaimer there. The other thing is, this is set at a very specific time after some very specific past X-Men events. And I think we've got to set the stage for that before we talk about this issue. Now we get a delightful editorial comment at the beginning of the issue that this is set sometime after X-Men number 39. It's not set directly after X-Men 39. We're going to get to that in a second. So why is it after X-Men 39? Well, Adam X, who's the feature player in this issue, for a long time was thought to be the additional Summers brother. But to get to that, we have to talk about why did everybody think there was a Summers brother before we ever got to Vulcan? And to get to that, you have to read X-Men 1991, number 23. This is one of my favorite X-Men issues of all time. It's one of the best Mr. Sinister issues of all time. And Scott has a confrontation with Mr. Sinister, where Sinister um, reveals a lot, including his involvement with the legacy virus, and also Mm -hmm. that there might be another Summer's brother, to which Scott says, what? And Mr. Sinister says, what? Uh, And you can never tell if Mr. Sinister (laughs) revealed it on purpose or not. It is is the best Mr. Sinister scene, and it totally works with this new funny Mr. Sinister that we have now, which is why I think I love it so much. because it's silly. Um, so you have to read X-Men 1991, number 23. It's on Marvel Unlimited. It's, you could go get it for a dollar or two. Like, just yeah. read it. So then the other thing is that X-Men 1991, number 39, is a whole issue feature for Adam X. Adam X had been introduced as one of these characters in the um, annuals, where they introduced a new character in every annual, and they came with a trading card of that character, polybagged with the annual. I had them all, and apparently trading cards right now are a really big thing. Maybe I got to get them on eBay. I don't know. Tyler, did you have it? <laughs> Yes, I do. He had to. Okay. Uh, but he, uh, most of those characters just went right into the trash bin. Uh, but this particular character actually stuck around because Fabian Nicesia, who had created him, um, created this potential for him to be the other Summers brother. He was somehow involved with the Shi'ar. He somehow mm-hmm. had a connection with the X-Men. And that was a lot revealed in X-Men 1991, number 39, where just by total coincidence, Adam X happens to find Scott's grandfather who has crashed his plane and he saves him from the snowy fields of Alaska, brings him to a hospital, and then Gene has a moment this is just for Freya. Jean has a moment with him that's just like Jean's moment with Corsair in the McCran Crystal way back in Uncanny X-Men, what is it, 106, 107, where she's like, you seem awfully familiar. And then in another callback to early X-Men, we see that Eric the Red is watching it only because his hand is at the controls of the video screen. And then we pull back to another panel and Mr. Sinister is watching, Eric the Red is watching this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Throwbacks. So now, why does this not just happen the next day, which seems like it makes sense? Because it also refers to one further issue, which is Captain Marvel by Peter David, number three, which is another of the very few places mm-hmm. that Adam X pops up that deals with Adam X and some Shi'ar nonsense as well. So this did not happen right before Age of Apocalypse, as is hinted by that editorial box for X-Men 39, because that is right before Legion Quest, right before Age of Apocalypse, because we also needed Captain Marvel number three, I think, to have occurred. Yeah. So now you know why Fabian Nicesia is even writing this issue. Yeah. And now that you've got some context, and I made sure to share all those pages in the group chat so we could be ready, now <laughs> we're going to do the lightning round, starting with Tyler. I mean, it is a very, very nostalgia, nostalgic trip back to the 90s. I mean, Nesisa, you know, he, he did not appear to have missed a bit. Like, 
it, it it's, it's just as if he has been writing x-men all along and it's like oh yeah you know i i, I stopped writing x-men for like you know 20 years and i'm writing another issue and it just fits right in and then the art is straight from that era it just feels really really right for me i mean like uh, <laughs> do i like it <laughs> i am not very sure because you know this i have not read these stories for like over 20 years but um does it feel like it is a 90s comics absolutely free ha um so when i like you know when i kind of scream kicking and screaming read it um <laughs> i was like by the end by the end like you know before i die i will have read every x-men issue because now yes. on top of like the Claremont's issues. Now I have to read '90s X-Men issue, and I'm like, oh, please make it stop. Um, you know, but it seems like you know the Summers wants to be like the Guthries, so that there's like a thousands of Summers. You know, they're just all over the place now, and they're just Good popping choice. up. Yeah, it seems like it's like that. Um, but I do want to say though the sinister panels that uh, Peter's talking about. Even if you don't go and look at them for the dialogues and stuff, go there for the cape because my God, that cape. It's the best sinister plumage of all time <laughs> oh that plumage i'm like now i understand why he's so obsessed with plumage because he had better plumage before he came to krakowa so judge for that but i mean it's one of those things it's like sure if you are a long time x-men reader but someone like me who i'm not i'm like okay we already had a crazy one called mm -hmm. uh gabrielle like you know so what else we need um but i do want to say though um i did understood adam who adam x is because he shows up in x factor number three and mm. i also understood mccarran crystal and i'm like damn it i'm one of the nerds now so <laughs> what about eric the red <laughs> yeah and eric, eric the red, oh, and also, people don't and understand also, at all but that's fresh for you yeah, and also Eric the Red, I'm like, ah, I know all of this. Why do I know all of this? You know, it's becoming one of those things where now I read it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know these people. I'm like, ah, why do I know these people? <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, yeah, so the thing is, like, that was kind of, it was more entertaining from that point of view than the actual issue. That's all I'm going to say. I this I really have trouble even articulating. That's I'm happy I did all my talking up front because I don't even know what yeah. to say. Um, it's a short <laughs> list, I guess. One is mm -hmm. Guru EFX freaking killed the colors on this issue. Just mm -hmm. grand slam, perfect. It has that perfect 90s post-Malibu acquisition yeah. glisten to it, but it's still, like, it's still modern. It's just really good, especially Cyclops. I think it just like nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Uh, the art has some problems. You would be familiar with these problems if you read as many image comic books as me. The one that really stuck out that to me is like the poster problem for the issue is what point Hepzibah is like jumping in the air and she has this beautiful clean line to her body. But then if you look closer, her one thigh must be bigger than the whole rest of her body and, and because it's like bigger than the other leg and it's the same size as her whole torso and it's just like <laughs> there's no world in which that anatomy makes sense. That to me is like the perfect little capsule for this whole issue. The thing it really made me feel though is Nicesia is so good. He could be on any title right now and it would be a great title. His Jugger Juggernaut miniseries that just wrapped was great. Mm. But it's like this is a very specific way of writing a title. He's been on Twitter saying that this was an event originally going to be a two or three or actually a three or four issue story 
story and he had to squeeze mm -hmm. it a little bit to get down to 55 pages. But even still, this was the way that comics were in that mid 90s X-Men run. It was like two issues. It was never an arc. There was no such thing as a six issue arc of anything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of issues were just two, set up, knock down, set up, knock down, set up, knock down with one little subplot that would kind of carry you into the next thing. So I think it does feel kind of weird to read now because you realize how much of that is like empty calories and just kind of like, I always called it rubber banding. We beat them, but they're back, but they ambushed them, but we shot them, but they broke three. Like that, you know, because there was a lot of that rubber banding in those issues in order to mm -hmm. just make it work. And that's what it, that's how you got through 90s comics. And so yeah. I think that that push and pull, you can feel it here. And it just feels a little absurd now because comics don't do it as much, but that's because they don't rubber band on one issue. They just draw it out over a whole arc. I don't feel like this is essential reading and I don't fully believe the, the, cliffhanger at the end, the Corsair's like, Adam X, my, my son. It's too early for that to be the cliffhanger of the first issue. I feel like it's going to get reversed. And then they're going to come back and be like, oh, actually, he's not our son, but our son must be somewhere. And that's going to be like an advanced setup for Vulcan to help, to help better explain Vulcan. Is there but anything I, else to say about this comic? I mean, we'll go around one more time. Tyler? I, I mean, Adam X is immune to Cyclops and Alex powers. And Alex and some and, and Scott is immune to Adam X powers, and while he has not been consistently treated, like in a lot of cases, the siblings are immune to each other's power. So that's something to consider. Mm, but true. yeah, my I mean my notes for this issue is really everything in caps and end with like exclamation mark. Eric the Red question Eric mark exclamation exclamation Shia exclamation Star Jammers exclamation exclamation and Summers exclamation exclamation and and that that is really the issue, right? I mean it's everything the issue is just and the issue. Like big and big <laughs> and just explosive and it is it is very nice. It is very, very nice. Yeah. They're pandering specifically to Tyler, I think is what you should be getting from this conversation. <laughs> uh, there is enough abs to be Tyler. Yeah, and, and not Tyler. a Habs is the only female character with a line in this whole <laughs> yeah, issue, too. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Faria, is there anything uh, else to add? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, what are they going to, I mean, are they going to retcon everything? And is it being ordered by Hickman to do all of this so that he can write his story better? And then, you know, if he is the brother, ooh, maybe it will be better if he's the brother. And then Cyclops just runs off to Mojiver, then we never see him again. You know what? <laughs> but sold. Yeah, let's do that. No, but but what happens in Mojiver stays in Mojiver, as we hey, know. Yeah. Because yeah. because Shadow Star is there and Richter does not know he's there. Oh boy, we're really sour. Why you must you? Why must are really must, sour? What? Why you must you remind me that? You know, it's just cut by a thousand paper cuts every time I think about Shadow Star. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah. Sure. I mean, there's a proud history of this. We're reading in our Epic X-Men reread, we're reading classic X-Men stories by mm -hmm. Claremont that he inserts into the past. And sometimes they're revelatory and we're in love with them. And sometimes they're dumb and we're like, we're going to ignore that. And that's mm -hmm. generally how these retcon stories go, unless it's like Deadly Genesis where it's built up to be an event by itself and you know it's going to last. So I guess my question is like, can anything so important really happen here that's going to be lasting, that we're going to say you had to read X-Men Legends 1 and 2 for years to come? I I sincerely doubt that, personally. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I do think there's a couple interesting beats in here, though, that Nastasia s- s- sneaks in. One is a bit, a bit prescient, you know, this Shiar grandparent um, kidnapping, grandparent napping of mm. Scott's grandparents, which ties to the Shiar much later uh, coming back <laughs> to kill the entire Grey family. In an end of Grey's, one of the yeah. roughest issues of X Men. Roughest read. issues. And the other thing ah. is just um, at <laughs> and it's only and and it only happens in a span of like what sixty seconds or something it's like so, that. So it's hard. It's really hard. Oh to read. my god. Uh, and then also just I have always loved Adam X's power, but it makes me laugh because so his power is basically he makes you feel like your blood is on fire, but he needs some exposed blood to do it. So he like throws a bunch of razor blades and and crap. He's made to basically be Wolverine's sidekick. They basically dreamt him up and was like, here's a cool person to tag around behind Wolverine and be like, your blood is on fire. Your blood is on fire. Um, but but also, <laughs> which also is like how 90s is that, right? Like, yeah. it's like he's got blades, but he doesn't even need the blade because he's Bloodstorm, right? How many of those names did they go through for him that they're like, God damn it, Leafield has already trademarked these all. And so they just decided to call him Adam X. I have so many jokes that I've been saving for so long. I think is my I think is my point here. But, but like his costumes is full of blades. Like even his his shoulder like, pad is me. like blades. Touch all of these blades. <laughs> he is a summer brothers because if he has that kind of weird thing, you know, that's what I- <laughs> But also, let's just think about it for a second. Like, it's kind of a cool power, the idea that your blood is, like, conductive to a degree. And that Mm. if you are bleeding, that he kind of makes it feel so much worse. But he needs an entry into your body, you know? I mean, does he also, does he do really well with people with gingivitis? Is he looking for people with weak weak gums? You know, like, what are his other ways in, right? I'm just thinking about, like, how else can he expose blood cells (laughs) so that he can... I want to make a very terrible... Do you pick your nails? That's sad for you. Because you're... Your blood is on. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to make a very terrible joke, but I will Please stop. Please do. Stop. No, me. no, no, Somebody no, no, stop no. me. No, 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 no. Carry on. <laughs> you don't want to hear wait, my joke. Wait. So, so where is his uh, skateboard? He yeah he get he drops it at one point, and I guess if you're in the middle of a freaking cornfield, as he is yeah. here. Your skateboard, not the most uh, the most uh, fast conveyance. But then also, how about cable? Just like dropping in, because like, how can we have well, a summer story without cable? It's summers. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it's a summer story. Cable has to drop in. And this is how you know it's actually set a little bit later, because he makes the point that he's lost his team at the moment. And also mm. his TK is actually effective, which earlier on his TK really wasn't, because it was only yeah. ever holding off the TK, um, the TO virus. But here it is. But uh, Cable, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot else to say about this. Well, as it turns out, the X-Men are busting out all over right now in the Marvel Universe. I feel like we've gotten past the point where, like, they're kind of off limits. It's and now the reign of X. Yeah, it is the reign of X, man. They're everywhere. Just like, you know, so... It's raining in... X-Men. Are you trying to get me to sing more? Yes. I'll sing yes. More. yes, yes. <laughs> it's raining X. Hallelujah, it's raining X. Yeah, okay. You gotta let me prepare and, like, learn them on the guitar. Yeah. Reading, of course. Three in particular... I think stood out. And I've read just about the whole Marvel poll this week. So I'll throw it out if anybody has comments on them. King in Black, Champions, and Savage Avengers all have some major Krakoan stuff going on. Did anybody read any of these? I read Champions. I read King in Black and Champions. All right, I guess I take Savage Avengers there. So, uh, Freya, (laughs) what did you think about the X-Men in Champions this week? 
Oh, I I really I really enjoyed it, even though I'm not quite enjoying the whole champions and then the story of like baby civil war, whatever yeah. it is going on. I'm not no. But the thing is that if you have read 2016 champions and where baby clops was part of the team, and you know, and then um like you know, and he had to leave, and then there's like a very like you know they he has a very good friendship with Kamala, Miss mm-hmm. uh, Marvel. And then in 2019 Champions, where they had like this awesome reunion, because, you know, she thinks that the old older Cyclops have forgotten everything, but he's like, no, I remember that. So if you kind of remember all of that, this week's issue is very cute and nice, you know, because that, you know, in the last week's issue, last month's issue, it says that, oh, you know, once a champion, like, you know, so Cyclops is always a champion, right? So it's very nice. Then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna take you to the Krakoa, like, you know, and then he's like, oh, I can take you to the Krakoa. And I'm like, oh. damn it, Cyclops! <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> this, you were this close. But then, he did get them to the Marauder sh- ship, and yes. then in the middle, he also changes his uniform to <laughs> the old champion's uniform. Wait, I was like, how does Baby Clops have fit? I mean, how does grown Clops, grown Cyclops, fit into Baby Baby Clops' uniform? He, he had it made. It's a nostalgia. He I just love that that Eve Ewing was specifically like, well, y'all said that y'all would wear different uniforms, so I'm gonna make that a plot point in my comic yeah. book. Like, not just not just like winkingly somebody turning up in something different, but Cyclops yeah. like literally being like, I was feeling nostalgic. That just, I think it was nice because it's. It's one of the best interactions we've had in a positive way about the X-Men not being on Krakoa and interacting with other heroes. Like, they basically said, look, there's a limit to what we can do because we're a nation state, but within that limit, we actually care about you. And I think that that was, it was just nice to see. Like, I just found it very heartwarming. It's, I know, it absolutely is, but it also calls back the older things where it's like, hold on, guys, this is my Claremont X-Men moment. Shut up, everyone. So... It also calls back, like, you know, the how Nova and Baby Clops really did not like each other. Mm, and then really that did. actually comes back here as well. It's like, what? You lied to us? Like, you know, that we're going to be in bigger problem. But I was just going to say, though, I'm going to make it short. Like, you know, it's like, um, then Kamala is like, oh, you changed the thing. And I'm like, damn it, Kamala, don't give him any, you know, <laughs> and all of that. But... I was gonna say though, at the end, I really hope that they retcon Kamala into a mutant and she can join the murderers full time. That's what I want. And then this whole champions, the whole saga of like baby registration and all of that can go away. We also, speaking of Marvel events, have King in Black number four, Tyler, Mm -hmm. this week, uh, which had a pretty major X-Men moment. Oh my God. Pretty huge. (laughs) One of the biggest. It's a huge moment, actually. Oh, do I wanna hear it? Mm -hmm. I read it. Do I wanna hear it? You know what? Go for it. It's Go a full it. spoilers program for you. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. know. I just <laughs> well, walked right into that it's one. It's basically <laughs> someone whom you particularly don't particularly like. Cyclops. No. No, the other Cyclops one. Cyclops better have. <laughs> oh, gee. No, I'm yeah. She I'm She comes in and play a major role in basically at least keeping now, um, you know, at bay. And reclaiming some of the superheroes, and I thought it was a, it was a very badass, um, you know, um, way that she did it. Um, even towards the end, when she was a little bit the classic Jean thing, she's like overwhelmed a little bit. But um, but it, it wasn't it wasn't like at least at least it wasn't like oh I'm gonna win and then uh, 
you know. You no, I thought she was kind of overwhelmed just because it was, it, the whole thing has been overwhelming. She's basically yeah. shown to be the one effective character in the entire Marvel Universe in this whole thing. Like, Doctor Strange has been taken off the board. They're all hiding in a bunker. No, Reed awesome. Richards can't figure it yeah. out. Cyclops has been, you know, symbiotified. And Jean yeah. shows up Storm and she's like, too. listen, losers. <laughs> yeah, just listen carefully yeah. to this. We have a plan and this is what we are going to do. What is what and is the quote? L- listen, fives, a ten is talking, right? Like Jean kind of just shows up and she's yeah. like, Oh, now I'm going to go read this. And she, okay. she, based, she also walked in in a super badass way in the costume that Peter doesn't like. But, you know, but it was drawn pretty well too. And I, I almost thought that it was... Phoenix. It looked like it back. really felt like it was going to be the Phoenix Force yeah. for a second. It really did. So, for and a then second. you realize that Jason Aaron is the villain of this story. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, King and Black, it actually is kind of X Men y. Like, it's one of the first it times is. that X Men's really been allowed to get involved in one of these events for a while because mm-hmm. they're available and they're around and they're interesting and people might care. Um, and so, Gene had a really cool moment, and, it, and it's nice to see that the X Men are contributing to saving the Earth for once. It, and But also, um, last week was a Black Panther one shot, which was I just caught up on yesterday, which was incredible. And Storm's not in it, but Storm's status quo of being symbioted really, really drives T'Challa's choices in it. And it just got some really good T'Challa Shori Okoye stuff in it. And it, it was fantastic. All right, so mine to talk about is Savage Avengers number 18. So this is also part of King and Black. And Deadpool is trying to get away from someone. I don't know. It has Conan in it. That's as much as I absorb from Savage <laughs> Avengers sometimes. Conan team up. But yeah. they decide to try to pull a heist on the um, empty Hellfire Club because they've got lots of money just lying around in sacks in this empty Hellfire <laughs> Club building. And when they go to rob it, um, Callisto, Iceman, and Bishop show up to stop them. I don't think it's actually, um, you know, very important at all other than to say there's a gate inside of the old Hellfire Club building in New York and they have giant sacks of money there. So that's your big three X-Men appearances for the week. Um, let us know if this is useful to you. Send us a, send me a, a tweet at Crushing Comics on Twitter or uh, drop us a line in the comments of any of our Twitter video or YouTube videos about mm-hmm. This Week in X because I don't know if it's always going to be something that we do every week, but this at Tyler and I do read a lot of the Marvel Universe and so when we spot these things, we bring them to you. Bye. Do we have anything else to say? No. 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 Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for another lengthy discussion of This Week in X. We love having you and we love talking about these comics together because what have we learned over these months, Freya? X-Men is better when it's read together. That's right. So we're so happy to be reading it with each other and reading it with you. So on the behalf of Harry, Tyler, and Freya and myself, thank you so much for listening and we hope that you are well. Bye. Bye.